Amen. You can be seated. Would you go over to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, please? Ephesians chapter 4. For some weeks now, we've been on a, uh, a series. I think I've changed the title a couple of times. <laughs> right now, I'm calling it No Place for the Devil. No Place for the Devil. The reason I make adjustments is because I learn as I go. Hmm? I've found you, just because you learned something last month doesn't mean you learned it all. Right? You learned something. And you should learn something else, and that gives you more light, and so you, you make adjustments. Uh, only a fool never makes any changes. You, you want to be willing, adaptable, flexible. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ephesians, when I say adaptable, I don't, I don't mean compromise. I mean being easily corrected by the Holy Spirit, right? But you want to remind yourself just on a regular basis that there's a whole lot you don't know. Hmm? And you got to watch about assuming you know things. Uh, we've been talking about this in this series. So in Ephesians 4, our, our text, uh, we see, I believe we started, what, about verse 22 or so? Ephesians 4. And, um, well, it's, uh, yeah, 21, 21. He said, uh, if you've heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, verse 22, put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So we see uh, put off the old man, Put on the new man. He's still talking about that when he says putting away lying. Well, that'd be part of putting off the old man. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. That's the new man. We're members one of another. Keep going. Be angry and sin not. Now, the old man would get mad and cuss you out and maybe slap you or knock you down. But now you've been saved. Oh, come on, help me out here. You're going to help me preach this. I said, now you've been saved. So you don't cuss anymore. Huh? Now, you, now you're saved. So you're not going around slapping people. Huh? Throwing stuff at people. Hitting people and knocking people down. And you're not lying anymore. Because you're a Christian now. Huh? See, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to the saints at Ephesus. Be angry and sin not. Now, you, you can get angry without doing something dumb. Just because you got mad or upset doesn't mean you had to spout off and say a bunch of things. You can get mad and do nothing. 
You can get upset and do nothing. And many, many times that's exactly what you should do. Right? Because the wrath of man does not work. What God says is right. People make so many times some of their biggest mistakes when they get so mad and so upset and they go and start talking and doing things because they're not being led by the Spirit. when, When you're yielding to a bunch of anger and acting on it, you can wind up yielding to a wrong spirit. Can you see this? Because the old man he's talking about was motivated by wrong spirits, influenced by evil influences. And um, there's reason why there's such a push on the flesh spiritually to get into a blind rage. Because you'll hear people say, well, I I didn't even realize what I was doing. Well, then who's driving? Huh? Are you listening? You don't even realize what you're saying? You didn't even realize what you're doing? That means you have yielded control to another entity. And it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Can you see this? So, uh, you know, the same thing has to do with substances. The enemy will push you to drink or to uh, smoke weed or to uh, take pills or to do something until you get to the place you don't know what you're doing. Can you see that? He's endeavoring to take control of your vessel. And... Of course, he's trying to influence you to say things that he wants you to say, but you're still largely in control. But you get to the place where he's not even having to go through your mind. You're saying stuff you don't even know what you're saying. You're doing things you don't even know what you're doing. Well, somebody else is at the wheel. You don't want this, do you? We don't want this. And we are new creations in Christ Jesus. This is not supposed to be us anymore, right? This blind rage, this cursing, this striking, this lying, that's the old man, right? And we have, we've put off the old man and all of its junk, and we put on the new man. Hallelujah. The new man is a good man, letting the, letting the Holy Spirit influence us from the inside. Not all these evil influences from the outside. Keep keep reading. He said, uh, put away uh, lying and and don't sin if you get angry and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. What what does that mean? Don't stew in it. Hmm? Don't baste in it. Don't sit in it. Why? Why? Because this is when some really bad stuff happens. This is when people get murderous, start planning evil things, when they just they just yield to what they did to me, or what they didn't do to me, and let that anger just build and build. Now see, if you're going to see to it, that you're not even angry about it past sundown. How much can it build? 
Come on, can you see that? But if you're going to let it, if you're going to fume over it and let the enemy bring it to you and you replay what they said that upset you so much, what they did that hurt you so much, and you're going to replay that day and night and day and night and day and night, that's when you can lose touch with reality. And you get so obsessed about things. You start believing lies and being deceived. You can get, you know, full of hate and even murderous. That's how people get that way. And we're commanded, you can't even go past Sunday <laughs> being mad. I don't care. What, are there any exceptions to this? Unless they do this to you, then of course, you know, you can stay mad longer. No, there are no exceptions. What does that mean? It doesn't matter what they did to you. You cannot allow yourself to yield to anger. Past just a few hours, you got mad, you got upset. Okay, we understand. Looks like the sun's about to go down in about an hour there, so... You better, you better get through with it. <laughs> now, we're laughing because most people don't do it. They don't practice this. But should we take the Lord seriously? It's so much for your own protection to keep you from yielding to wrong spirits. We know that's what he's talking about because the very next verse, verse 27, neither give place to the devil. One translation says don't give any room to the devil. Don't give any opportunity or space for the devil to work. Don't give him any room. Well, let's don't separate it from the other verse. Yielding and stewing in anger and rage is giving place to the devil. Come on, can you see that? Yielding to lying and deceiving is giving place to the devil. And he, he commands us. He didn't say try not to. He said don't do it. Don't give place to the devil. Instead, we're told to resist the devil. Hmm? Now, don't give any place to him. And in fact, resist him. 1 Peter 5, I'll just read it to you again. 1 Peter 5, 5. Uh, I'm reading the Weist translation. It says, be of a sober mind. Be watchful. Your adversary who is a slanderer, namely the devil, as a lion roaring in fierce hunger, is constantly walking about, always seeking someone to be devouring. Stand immovable against his onset, solid as a rock in your faith. <laughs> Don't you like that? Stand immovable against his onset. Solid as a rock in your faith. We saw James 4, 7, where it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. Another, another way this is translated in the same King James Bible is stand against. Resist or stand against are translated from the same word. In Ephesians 6, we were there in Ephesians. Look, look right over at the 6th chapter. And you'll see he just keeps, keeps emphasizing and keeps reiterating this idea of standing against. Standing against. Will you be tempted 
to get upset? Yeah. Will you be tempted to get mad? Too mad. And see, the problem is, if you weren't taught that you're not supposed to yield to that, you're not taught to resist that, then you may have grown up in a home where they just yielded to anger and cussing and all kind of lying, and, and you've been doing it yourself for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Well, you need major renewal, mind renewal and retraining because you have, you have trained yourself to just yield to it when it comes up. And if you've done it for decades, you'll just do it without thinking because you think that's normal. But we're supposed to, as, as believers, uh, uh, the new man is supposed to recognize stuff and go, uh-uh, I'm not yielding to that. No matter how you feel, I'm not yielding to that. Hmm? If I yield to that, it would make me feel like cussing and hitting somebody, but I know better than that, and so I'm not going to yield to that. In fact, by faith, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh. Now that, brother, sister, is being spiritual. That is being truly spiritual. I'm going to laugh at it, and I'm going to thank God for the answer by faith. I'm going to cast my cares over on him. I'm going to do what he told me to do and not worry about it. In fact, I'm going to forgive them and love them. And ain't a thing they can do about it. Huh? How can they keep you from forgiving them? How can they prevent you from loving them? They cannot. <laughs> there is no weapon against love. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's not you being strong in yourself. That's not you being strong in your might. That's not enough. You'll run out. But strong in his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the what? The wiles of the devil. Now, I've emphasized it repeatedly, but this is, this is an area where we need mind renewal. So many people don't even practically believe in a devil. When I say practically, as far as any practical application of dealing with the devil. But then those who do, they believe in a personality, but they're waiting for something, you know, like in a red suit and horns and a pitchfork to resist. And they don't understand how this works. What should we be standing against? Not a visage of the devil, not a feeling of the devil. Against what? Wilds, wilds. And, and that word, like we got into uh, earlier, it has to do with uh, cunning, with craftiness, with trickery, with deceptiveness. Uh, one word is sophistry, which has to do with subtly deceptive reasoning and argument, argumentation. Arguing and reasoning. Well, see, that's exactly what he said, what, in 2 Corinthians 11? Casting down uh, re imaginations and reasonings. These are the things we need to be on the watch for, not trying to see 
a demon or a devil. Not trying to feel a hot flash or cold flash or see an aura or this is what we need to be aware of. What? Carefully crafted lies brought to us with in, in the form of thoughts and feelings either directly and especially through other people because he influenced them and now they're saying what he brought to them. So this is what we need to be on, on the watch for. And, and two of the big reasons why even Christians are so easily deceived. Too many are too easily deceived. You've been too easily deceived. I've been too easily deceived in times past. But we're growing. Faith life people are some of the most spiritually aware and some of the best spirit led people on the planet in our generation. Am I telling it right, church? All right. Okay. All right. Two big reasons why people have been so easily deceived. They don't know the truth. Or they, and they don't, or they don't know it well enough. Jesus said, thy word is truth. His word is truth. If you don't know what he said, if you don't know his word, which is why we exhort you all the time, read your chapter every day as well as coming to church and getting these kind of things, but you need a steady input to learn what he said. If you don't know what he said, you will be easily deceived and tricked. I don't care what you imagine your IQ to be or how much of a genius you think you are. You are no match for somebody that's been fooling human beings for millennia. The devil and his cohorts, they are expert at convincing people to believe things that are not true. They are masters at it. But the greater one lives in us. Do you believe it or not? But we, need, we must do what he tells us to do. And Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Oh, friend, how you should treasure your Bible and how you should, should feed on it. Why? Because you, you're making the right decisions and the outcome of your whole life is based on if you know how to respond to this subtle trickery. Do you remember when Jesus was tempted 40 days and 40 nights? The enemy poured it on. And how did Jesus deal with that? Come on, help me out. How did he deal with it? How do you deal with clever deception? Truth. But you got to know. You can't be confused about the truth. You got to know the truth so that when something is crosswise of it, you're not even debating it. You're like, no, no. The word says this. So I can't accept that. Yeah, but so and so, I don't care. The word says this. Right? People don't know the truth well enough to do that. Jesus, what did he do? It is written. And that was it. The devil had to turn the page. Right? Ain't no need talking about it anymore. He brought something else. It is written. So then he, he tried to, to step up with Jesus on it is written. He said, you know, it is written. And the Lord said, it's also written. <laughs> the 
reason I say it, there, is, there will be no greater, better way for us to win battles than that. If that's how the, the master did it, the servant's not above his, his master. So that's how we do it. When things come up, you need to be ready immediately with the it is written. And sadly, most church-going people are woefully ignorant of the Scripture, pitifully ignorant of the Scripture. Don't be that way. It'll just make you so easy to fool. And the thing, the thing is, if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. If you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. Come on, can you see it? What is deceived? You think something's true that's not. If you knew it wasn't true, you wouldn't be deceived. So one, like we said, is not knowing the truth well enough. Two, is being too quick to believe other things. Being too quick to just accept something because you heard it, because somebody told you. You need to be continually asking yourself, how do they know? Where did they get it? Were you there? Did you see it? Do you know anybody that was? Are they dependable? How do I know? Being too quick to believe things just because you heard it, just because somebody said it, makes you easily deceivable. The, the older I get in the Lord, the more this way I am. You don't have to be mean about it, but there's just a whole lot of stuff I don't believe. Why? I got no reason to. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I don't know anybody that was. The Lord hadn't said anything to me about it. Yeah, but everybody is sure. Who's everybody? Well, you know, they say, who are they? Who are they? Do we know Mr. and Ms. They? Who are they? Oh, yeah, but they got it. They got it on good authority. Yeah? Who's that good authority? Good authority who? Who? Hmm? I mean, right this moment, people all over the nation are so worked up. They are getting so angry and so agitated. And what do they really know? Yeah, but, yeah, but what do you know? You know. That God's on the throne. I know that. Is that right? I know. God's on the throne. I know what I prayed about the Lord's prayer. First Timothy 2 while ago. I know he heard that. I know he's doing that. I know no matter what happens. Now or next year or next 10 or 50. He's going to take care of us. I know that. Yep. Why? I got it from a reliable yes. source. Yes. <laughs> huh? Verified yep. and confirmed by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I got it on good authority. Go. <laughs> now all this other stuff, you you better watch it. I've I've been alive long enough now to see some of these same kind of situations where people get so worked up, including church and Christians. And I've seen uh, times past 
where people, they wind up saying things they shouldn't have said, prophesying things they shouldn't have prophesied. Are you listening? Doing things they shouldn't have done. So you better just take a breath. Is that right? And, and take a moment. And the thing that you are so worked up about, how do you even know what's true about that? Well, if you're not sure what's really true, what happened, what didn't happen, why are you already mad out of your head about something you're not even sure of? This is how, this is how fist fights break out. This is how people get killed in the street. This is how wars happen between nations. One thing leads to another, leads to another, and it cascades and and. And, and half of it ain't even true, but the devil don't care. That's his main thing. He just feeding on this side, feeding on this side, feeding on this side. And he's thrilled when they kill each other. Can you see it? And when people get out of their bodies and they go, what? What was I doing? That wasn't even true. That wasn't even right. Don't be easily played. Don't be easily deluded, deceived. Why are so many people so easily deceived? Help me out, church. Help me out. One, don't know the truth. They don't know the truth. Two, too quick to believe things that they hear. Our people tell them. They're just too quick to just swallow it like a little bird in the nest. Just not even checking where it came from, who said it, what. Just, just swallow it. Hmm? <laughs> Were you there? Huh? Did you see it? Do you know? Then help me out. You don't know. Is that right? <laughs> the people you're hearing from, were they there? Do you know them? Do you know anybody that knows them? We better not get too upset about this then because we don't, we don't even know what's... We <laughs> Oh, some people like it, some people don't. <laughs> Trying to help you out, brother. I've, I've seen some of this already in other situations and times. <laughs> Whew. He said, uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. One says deceits of the devil. For we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. I want you to say that out loud five times. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. 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 And blood. Republicans are flesh and blood. Democrats are flesh and blood. Independents are flesh and blood. Huh? Kamala, Nancy, Joe, <laughs> flesh and blood. President Trump's flesh and blood. Huh? Is flesh our problem? 
Will the devil do everything he can to convince you that it is your problem? But according to the Bible, if you're struggling and wrestling against flesh and blood, you don't even know what's going on. And you're not being effective spiritually. You're being played. And what happens is Christian after Christian, all of us have made some mistakes in these areas, you get so upset, you get so mad, and you wind up saying things you shouldn't have said, doing things you shouldn't have done, acting not in love, not forgiving, holding grudges, lashing out, trying to get even, and messing up your witness. Hmm? Messing up your witness. People say, well, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. I thought you were supposed to love everybody. <laughs> that doesn't sound like love to me. Sounds like some hatred. <laughs> we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Come on, say it out loud. Flesh and blood is not my problem. Not the real issue. What's the real issue? He goes on to say principalities. That's spirits. Powers. That's spirits. Rulers of the darkness of this world. That's spirits. They play this generation all they can. And then when they're all dead and gone, they play the next generation. And they've been doing this for century after century after century. Human beings are nothing to them but pawns and vessels. Hmm? They are the issue. These evil influences. And no matter how ugly people have acted and things they've done and been, do we care whether they go to hell or not? Do we care? For even the most evil people, do we, do we want them to go to hell? Do we want to see them get saved? We do. And even somebody who has acted in the most evil of ways, if they were genuinely born again and cleansed and washed and filled with the Spirit, could they not be a good person to be around? And your brother and your sister. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So what does that prove? That proves they were never the real problem. Hmm? Paul, the apostle, was once called Saul, the Terminator. <laughs> You're laughing, but uh, <laughs> he was on a mission to wipe out the church, and he had authority from the, the chief priests, and he did it, man. He, he drugged people out of their homes whose only crime was being a Christian. Innocent daddies and mamas and people who hadn't done anything except confess Jesus as their Lord. He drug them out of their house. What, in the middle of the night or in the afternoon in front of their kids and grandkids? He stood by uh, agreeing and confirming while they stoned Stephen to death. Hmm? 
He was not a good guy. And yet, who in the house don't love them some Paul? The apostle, huh? We love, well, what about Saul the Terminator? Old man. Come on, is that right? Oh, old man. It was, well, there were spirits that were driving him. You don't travel the world at your own expense to harass people unless you're demonically inspired. Come on, can you see that? You don't do that. But you could be fishing. Or buy you a new, you know, wagon. <laughs> he spend, they're spending their own money. They're putting their stuff out. They're going to the extremities to do what? Harass people. Bother people. Uh, persecute people. That's because wrong spirits were pushing him. And he was listening to them. And he was responding to them. Until... He saw a bright light on the road to Damascus. <laughs> and everybody fell out. And he said, Lord, who are you? <laughs> he said, I'm Jesus. Don't you know Paul thought, oh, no. <laughs> He's Jesus. Because what's he on the way to do? Hurt people that believe in Jesus. Jesus. Oh, but he got saved, he got cleaned up, he got washed up, he got healed, he got full of the Spirit, and now instead of the devil's boy, he's the devil's worst nightmare. Is that right? Because he was even more enthusiastic preaching for Jesus and building the church than he was the enemy of the church. I'm just saying this proves Flesh and blood was never the real problem. There are these spiritual influences. Said out loud, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Hmm. Thank God the truth will make you free, won't it? But our conflict is against, notice how many times he says this, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take to you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, that's that same thing translated against, in the evil day and having done all to stand, that's the same thing, stand against. Verse 14, stand again, against is the implication here, stand against it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right there in these couple of verses, stand against, stand against. Stand against. Stand against. Why would he keep saying that? Because the enemy's coming against you. And if you don't stand against it in response, then what would you be doing? You're yielding to it. If you don't resist it, then you let it influence you. And what he started out by saying in that fourth chapter, give this, give the enemy's things no place, no room, no space. Go with me, if you would, back to First Chronicles. You got a few minutes? This is helping us, I believe, even more than we know. 
I'm actually moving too quick. Go to James, first chapter, and I actually told you the wrong thing anyway. James 1 and then 2 Chronicles 18 is where I wanted you to go. James 1, then 2 Chronicles 18. We are given in James detail about how the enemy works on individuals. How, you know, when when he's successful in getting somebody to do what he wants them to do, how it got to that, how it worked. In James 1 and 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. That's the opposite of yielding to temptation. Uh, I've heard people sometimes say, well, you know, they got to the place where they, they weren't tempted anymore. Uh, now, I don't know exactly what they're talking about, but I, that cannot be true in a general sense. It's simply not true. Um, you can get free from something so that it doesn't torment you the way it used to, but to say that you'd never be tempted to do it again, that's simply not true. Not true. Jesus himself was tempted. Is that right? In all points, just like us, yet without sin. He never gave in to it. He never gave the enemy any place. In fact, when they, right before they came to get him, the night he was uh, uh, scourged in the mock trial and all that, he said, uh, it's the prince of this world, it's his hour and darkness, and he's coming but he has nothing in me. Woo, don't you like that? Nothing. The enemy didn't have a sixteenth of an inch. Huh? He didn't have half an ounce. He didn't have any space or room in Jesus' life, his mind, his heart, his his being. Because he didn't give it to him. He didn't let him in. He didn't allow him. And... uh, The issue is temptation. When we hear temptation, people's minds oftentimes uh, go down a certain path or two. But one of the biggest temptations is temptation to fear. That's one of the most common and deadly. And temptation to doubt. Temptation to fear. Temptation to doubt. And there's temptation to do all kind of manner of wrong things. But Jesus was tempted without yielding. What happened is described here. Blessed is the man that does what? Endures the temptation. Just like we are talking earlier, you'll be tempted to jump on a a wagon and, and go headlong into something that you don't even know what's going on. Just go along with the crowd. And you won't be popular when you go, when you start asking questions and go, well, now hold on. How do we know this? Well, we all, we all know it. Who, who's we all? Well, you know, they, they, they said, who's they? You will be unpopular because you will be a, a party pooper, <laughs> crashing the party because everybody's ready and they got their, their pitchforks. And you're going, hold on, what? What do we know? (laughs) 
I thought we just prayed. Yeah. What are we expecting God to do anything? Well, yeah, but we got to, we got to, we got to. Uh, blessed is the man that does what? Endures temptation. So it takes some endurance. Why? Because it keeps coming back. Hmm? I know you know. It keeps coming back. The thoughts, the feelings. Why? Because we are down here in a spiritually dark demon-infested, curse-affected place. And you can't go where there are no evil influences. There's no place on the planet that you can go. But nor do I have to yield to them. Hmm? I don't have to give in. But there is this continual bombardment of suggestions and thoughts, and feelings, and temptations that you have to endure or stand against. Verse 13, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. This tells you something about the very uh, essence and being of God. It's impossible for him to lie. We don't know of any other being that way. <laughs> right? Impossible. Don't you like the sound of that? Yeah. Impossible. And it has to be that way for us to have the kind of trust in him he asked for. Because if he ever told us one lie. Yeah. Come on, can you see that? Then no matter what was going on, we could always think, well, yeah, but you know, that one time, (laughs) right? You could not have full confidence, but he never has. Now that's saying something. I'm not talking about long as the earth has been, before the earth. We don't know how far back. It's impossible for God to lie. Jesus said about the devil, he has no truth in him. So it's impossible for him to tell you the truth. Now he'll start out with a truth or a half truth. But before he's done talking, he will mess it up. (laughs) He can't can't help himself. (laughs) Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. God cannot be tempted with evil. You can't tempt God to do a bad thing. Impossible. That should comfort us. Because you know, if God was mean, there wouldn't be a thing we could do about it. Right? There wouldn't be a thing. We'd be helpless. Thank God. God's not mean. Or cruel. Of course, if he was, There wouldn't have been any human beings left a long time ago, right? This would be a non-conversation. It just, (laughs) he'd be on to something else. But uh, thank God he's not mean. He, he, He can't be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted. This, this happens to you, 
me, everybody that's ever lived, including Jesus himself. When he's drawn away of his own lust. Now that word lust just means desire. Desire can be good or bad. Drawn away of his own desire and enticed. This word entice is, is worth talking about. How does the enemy work? He has to find something about you that you want. That's not him. That's you. Come on, can you see that? Your own desire. But then he is in the enticement business. Hmm? Something, and, and, and the thing is, our bodies did not get born again. So they still want the same things they wanted before you were born again. Your body has not changed. It didn't get born again. Thank God one of these days, it's going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, this mortal is going to become immortal. This corruptible is going to become incorruptible. But that day has not happened yet. <laughs> and your body will want to do things it shouldn't. Your mind, if it hadn't been renewed, also. Same thing. Your mind didn't get born again. That's why you got to get it renewed. So the enemy looks for something that's a desire, your desire. And then he works to entice you, to talk you into it, to make it attractive to you, to show you how you could do it and not get caught. He's the one that'll tell off of you. He's evil. Uh, entice. One of the best pictures of entice is a fisherman's lure. This is correct from the Greek. A bait or a lure. Hmm? That's enticement. But that's no good if the fish don't want it. Right? <laughs> so the enemy is casting it towards you. And then he's making it move around. <laughs> but how much you want it is what you got to work with within yourself. <laughs> oh, this is going over big, isn't it? I know you wanted to blame the devil for all of it, but you really just can't. He has to have something to work with. Your own desire and enticed to bait, to trick, lure. Isn't that what the devil did with Eve? She and Adam standing out there by the tree. Should they be hanging around the tree that God told them not to eat? What reason you got to hang around the tree? That you're not supposed to be there. But the enemy is talking to him, and then he gets her. The scripture said she saw the tree was pleasant to look at. It was uh, desirable, 
uh, to make one wise. It, it, it had to taste good. Can you see the enticement? The enticement. What's the enemy saying? Just look at that. Look at that. That has to be the most amazing thing you've ever tasted. Look at it. And he tried, he had one of his spirits uh, uh, get around and move some branches to put a spotlight on the, on the fruit. And so there was this beam of light that hit it. And then waft the uh, wind to come and make a smell come. Oh, that's, a, that's an amazing smell. You've got to have it. You've got to have it. You've got to have it. You can't be happy without it. You can't live without it. You know you've got to have it. You have to have it. You have to. You have to. But she didn't have to. We would have been so much better off if him and her didn't have to. But we can't blame them. We've all done the same thing. But should we, why am I going through all this? Should we wake up and realize when we're being played? Can we be a smart fish? And look up at the lure and go, no, honey, don't bite that. Uh -uh, no, I'm telling you, <laughs> you will thank me. <laughs> Do not. I know it looks good, but it ain't good. Don't bite it. Don't go for it. Uh, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desire and enticed. Then when that desire has conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So much here, but that's how it works. Go with me to 2 Chronicles 18. I, I could use another couple of minutes. Do you have it to spare? I like what Marty said the other night. He said, can you give me five minutes? And people raised their hand. He said, oh, good, 5, 10, 15, 20. He added them up. I thought I've never done that before. That's, that's wisdom. <laughs> so thank you very much. Second Chronicles 18. Really need to read several verses here to get this. But this gives us insight. Verse 1, Second Chronicles 18.1. Jehoshaphat, who was a good king, had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab, whose wife was Jezebel, who was not a good king. After certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that were with him and persuaded him, did you hear that word? Persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. And Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat of Judah, Will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as you are, and my people is your people, and we will be with you in the war. Now we know from reading the rest of this passage, that's a giant mistake. He answered too quickly. He didn't check with God first. He didn't inquire of the Lord. But you know, the royal array is out. It's you're in front of people, and uh, the, this king asks you, you know, will you join forces with me on this great campaign? You got to watch about the pride of life, huh? The showiness. Yeah, I'm a big king too. 
Yeah, I got mighty armies too. Yeah, we'll do this thing. We'll knock them out. Verse 4, Jehoshaphat said to king of Israel, inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. After he made the commitment, he thought, you know, maybe we should ask the Lord. And uh, verse 5, therefore the king of Israel gathered together of prophets 400 men. Everybody say 400. 400 prophets. And he said to them, shall we go to Ramoth? Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Now, this is not how you see prophets of God usually operate. I'm thinking one time when a man asked a man of God in the scripture about something, he said, well, uh, uh, I'll inquire of the Lord and let you know. Ten days later, the word of the Lord came to him. You got to watch about the heat of the moment. And uh, they, they said, go up. God will deliver it to the king's hand. Verse 6, Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides? <laughs> so they got 400. <laughs> but Jehoshaphat, who was a good king, he had some good things in him, the scripture said, and, and so he knew some. He knew about the real word of the Lord. And he's like, "Mm, (laughs) 400 prophets. Now, how many of them prophesying did they hear? Even if it was 40 or 50 of the 400, that's a bunch. And all of them are in agreement. Go up. Now, they're not just saying that's our advice. They're saying, thus saith the Lord. And Joshua says, uh, you have any more prophets of the Lord? And the king of Israel said, there's one that we could inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. (laughs) Because he never prophesies anything good to me. Well, he's Ahab and Jezebel and what they're doing. What do you expect? <laughs> they don't want to repent. Then let's just stop here. They, they didn't even include him in the 400. Why? Because they don't really want to know the word of the Lord. Hmm? They want prophecies that agree with what they've already decided to do. How many understand prophecies are to be judged? I don't care who they are. If it's me, if it's you, prophecies are to be judged by two big things. The word and the witness. Witness you have on the inside of you. The word and the witness. And that's probably why Jehoshaphat, you know, asked, do we have another one? Because something wasn't gelling for him. He heard all these. They were too much alike, these prophecies. Basically, duplicates of each other. And uh, he said, I hate him because he never prophesied good to me, but always evil. Is that Micaiah, son of Imlah? And Jehoshaphat said, oh, don't let the king say that. And the king of Israel called 
to one of the officers and said, go fetch Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, set either of them on his throne, clothed in their robes. And they sat in a void place at the entering of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before him. Come on, now put yourself in this position. This is royalty. Two kings on two thrones with all their entourage and all the the stuff that goes with it. And then all these 400 prophets. And I mean the message is unanimous. Go and you will triumph. Thus saith the Lord. (laughs) And uh, verse 10. Zedekiah the son of Keniah had made him some horns of iron. He made him, had him some props that he used while he was prophesying. <laughs> horns. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> come on, picture it. He's going, ah. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, you have pushed the enemy around like this. <laughs> Is it possible to prophesy out of your own heart and say, thus saith the Lord, but it is not thus saith the Lord. That's why we're told, don't despise prophesying when you hear somebody start prophesying, just judge it. Yeah, but it was so and so. I don't care who it is. People can get worked up. Hmm? And I've even seen this. I've seen somebody start out and the first half of the prophecy was thus saith the Lord. And the last half of it was thus saith them. But you got the Holy Spirit and you got the book. Right? So it's real simple. If it doesn't really, if it doesn't bear witness with the scriptures, well, you don't accept it at all. And if it doesn't bear witness with the scriptures and you have a witness about it, that it's right, that it applies to you, then I don't care who it is. You just say, well, we'll see. You put it on the shelf. You don't have to do anything with it. But you don't repeat it and you don't run with it. He said, uh, these horns, you'll push them around. Verse 11, <laughs> and all the prophets got stirred up and go, yes, yes, with the horns, with the mighty horns. <laughs> you will push them into oblivion and, and uh, go to Ramoth Gilead and you will prosper for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Now, they're not saying that, that they're saying it from their self. They're saying the Lord says The Lord says this. Verse 12. And the messenger that went to call Micaiah spoke to him and said, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. So let your word, I pray you, be like one of theirs and speak good. As he's escorting him uh, to to the place there, he said, Now look, all the 400 prophets have prophesied, Go and you'll win. So you know what your prophecy needs to be, right? You, do you understand me? Because if you don't do it. <laughs> you, uh, and uh, verse 13, Micaiah said, now here's a real prophet. Here's a real man of God. As the Lord lives, even what my God says, that will I speak. Now, every church going person agrees with that and says amen. But honey, it ain't fun. 
if you read what happened with most of the prophets, most of the time, they were not popular. They said things God's own people did not want to hear, and it was not fun. It's a responsibility. And many times, a real prophet will not be heralded and celebrated. Even by God's people. Many times they're despised because they're not telling them what they want to hear. Or what they, how they want it to be. Or what they want God to do. But it's too easy to get embroiled in the chaos of a moment and forget who we're dealing with. The ancient of days who sees the end from the beginning. Come on, are you with me? With whom so many of the things that are going on are so small in respect to the big thing, the plan of God and the kingdom of God. And he will say things, a real prophet, from God's perspective because it's his own words. And it'll be something that long after these folks are dead and gone and three generations more have passed, these words will still be true and right and good. He said, as the Lord lives, even what my God says, that's what I'll speak. When he was come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall I forbear, shall I not go? And he said, go up and prosper, and they'll be delivered to your hand. And the king said to him, how many times do I have to adjure you that you say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? <laughs> See, he knew it wasn't right. And, of course, the way Micaiah said it. He just parroted what all the others were saying. He said, yes, go up to Ramoth Gilead. You will prosper. <laughs> and the king said, Micaiah told you, tell me the truth. But he didn't want the truth. He didn't want the truth. Verse 16. Then Micaiah said, well, let me tell you what I saw. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountain as sheep that have no shepherd. See, we're familiar with that phrase from Jesus quoting it. But see, all these things came from the previous things in the Old Testament. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. He saw it, the outcome of the battle. And that's the king's dead and the battle lost. And uh, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, the, the king, didn't I tell you that he wouldn't prophesy anything good to me? Just evil? But he's telling him the truth. Verse 18, and he said, now hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. Now, this is a big picture. We'll see in a moment, this includes wicked spirits in the heavens 
This is the whole thing, host of heaven. It's not just the angels of God, the whole thing. Verse 19, and the Lord said, who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? Because he knew that's what was going to happen. One spoke saying after this manner, another saying after that manner. And there came a spirit, not a good spirit. And he stood before the Lord and said, I will what? I will entice him. Now here is a king, two kings, and two nations. And the direction their nations are going is being decided right now behind the scenes. And the Lord said, wherewith? He said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. A lying spirit in the mouth of people prophesying in the name of the Lord. And the Lord said, you shall entice him and you will prevail. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, the Lord has put, well, the Lord allowed it, a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets, and the Lord has spoken evil against you. Now, there's other things that happened. That The guy with the horn, he came up and, and slapped and hit Micaiah and said, basically, when did the spirit of the Lord leave me and go talk to you? He said, and the Holy Ghost gave me these horns. <laughs> and Micaiah said, well, you'll find out on the day you hide yourself. And so, I won't read the rest of it, but the, the king said, you know, go lock him up till I come back. And Micaiah said, if you come back at all, the Lord didn't speak through me. This is the real deal. And that's exactly what happened. And if it hadn't been for the mercy of the Lord, the other king would have been wiped out too. And in fact, when he escaped with his life and got home, another real prophet met him and rebuked him for joining forces with Ahab. But you get a, a glimpse behind the scenes, just like you do in the book of Job, where the enemy, remember that, was accusing Job and trying to get some kind of access to Job, uh, and, and he did. You might say, well, why, why would the Lord let, let that? Why would he allow that like that? Well, I thought you might ask. So, go. <laughs> first of all, do you trust God? Whether you understand it or not, do you? Like I heard a minister say one time, no matter what happens, always stay on God's side. Right? So, so why would he say that? Why would he do that? Well, he knows more than you. There's all kind of things going on you don't know about and you don't understand. But you'll see this clearly in the, in the New Testament. And I, I thank the Lord. He pointed this out to me last night. I'm, I'm very thankful for it. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking about closing. But in 2 Thessalonians, could you go there? Do you have a minute for this? 2 Thessalonians do you reckon this kind of thing still going on? Huh? 
evil spirits are influencing people for evil, influencing people to lie, steal, kill, destroy. Is the flesh that they're working through really the problem? No. So many times they are oblivious that they're being manipulated the way they are. They don't even believe these things exist. But in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 7, he said the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now lets or, or holds it back or prevents will until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Keep going. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Lying wonders. With all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. This is the issue. Why did the Lord let that spirit do that? And tell him he would be successful? Because they had rejected the truth. They didn't want the truth. If you don't want the truth, what else is there? Come on, can you see this? They, they heard the truth. Even Jehoshaphat knew something's not right here. All these 400 prophets are too politically correct. They are two party aligned. And um, do we have another prophet we could hear from? And he said, yeah, but I hate him. <laughs> yeah, the devil hated him too. <laughs> and when he told him, remember the first thing Micaiah told him? He said, I saw it. That's what a seer sees. Prophet sees things. He said, I saw the soldiers scatter, and I, I heard them say, these sheep have no shepherd. And what had happened is the king had been killed, and the battle had been lost. And he said, I saw it. If they cared about the truth, they just heard it. Is that right? What would they have done? Huh? They'd have repented. Is that right? They would have repented. They didn't care about the truth. Even Jehoshaphat knew better. And I, when he asked for another uh, prophet, he got one. And he got a way different message. And that had to sound more right to him. But he had already put himself out there and made commitments. And Well, if you don't want the truth, they heard the truth. He even... He even described to them how it happened and why all their prophets are telling them, go ahead and do it. There's a lying spirit in the midst of these prophets saying, thus saith the Lord. But after all that, their solution is get rid of the real prophet. Go lock him up, shut him up. We'll deal with him when we get home. So, so did the Lord knew that was going to happen? Did he know the end from the beginning? Did he know they were going to reject the truth? So if, you, if they don't want the truth, 
They are, and they want to lie. Who's got lies? God doesn't have the lies. So the lying spirits came and influenced and lied. The thing that distinguishes us, I, I didn't finish reading it, excuse me. It said, they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them what? Strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned or condemned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we're bound to give thanks always to God, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chose you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. That's what will make you free. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus said in John 17, I won't go there, but he said, thy word is truth. He said, sanctify them. Uh, uh, or we says consecrate them with your truth. Your word is truth. The truth is what distinguishes us so much from the rest of the world. If we will not accept a falsehood or a deception, if we won't receive anything that we can't confirm is truth, it makes us stand out so different from the rest of the world. And when we hold up this Bible and say, nah, this is not an ancient, uh, you know, uh, creation myth and all that kind of stuff. This is the word of God. Every word is absolute, sure, and truth. That's going to make you stand up. That's going to make you different. And, and, and when you won't compromise and accept people's lies and half-truths, then they'll say like you, about you, like he did about my car. I hate them. I hate them. They won't, they won't play along. They won't go along with the flow. They keep rocking the boat. Well, we should only say what the Lord says. Whether we understand it, whether we don't, because we are seeing this. And he is seeing this. Right? And so what he says is going to sound different or even odd to us sometimes because he's seeing the whole thing. Stand on your feet, everybody.